Shaking it up with Sheikh Fayaz. Nightly Ramadan Reflections. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa bihi nasta'in. Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad. Wa ala ahli baytih al-tayyibin al-tahirin. It is said that one day a man, he approached the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Calling out, Ya Rasulullah, Arabbuka ba'idun fa'unadi, O qaribun fa'unaji. O Messenger of God, is your Lord so far away that I need to call out loudly to him? Or is he close so that I can whisper to him? At this moment, before the Holy Prophet, he answered this man. The angel Gabriel came and revealed to him chapter 2, verse 186. When God states, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ إِبَادِ أَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبُ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّائِي إِذَا دَآنْ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَأَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ In which God states, And when my servant asks you, O Messenger of God, concerning me, then let then tell him that surely I am very near. And I answer the prayer of the one who calls upon me, so they should answer my call and believe in me, that they may tread in the right way. In this incredibly beautiful verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala several times speaks in the singular pronoun when he states, And when my servant asks you about me, then tell him that I am near, and I answer the prayer of the supplicant when he calls upon me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, God Almighty, wants to demonstrate toward us His intense closeness with any individual who seeks Him by means of dua. And within Islamic tradition, there is such strong emphasis on the notion of dua or supplication being it one of the means which link us with God in a way that perhaps no other method within Islamic tradition emphasizes in terms of doing just that. But many people, they wonder exactly why when I supplicate and I make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my for instance supplication is not answered. Or my duas, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't respond to them in the way that I wished, in the way that I had desired. The most important aspect when it comes toward making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to understand that with supplication and with dua come certain etiquettes or prerequisites that we need to fulfill in order that God responds toward our supplication. When we aspire to have our supplication reach the highest of levels, it is necessary that there is a certain etiquette when it comes toward making that supplication. Similarly, when we want to perform other actions like ask our parents for something when we're children, speak to our manager or colleagues, we often follow certain procedures or language or semantics when speaking to specific people in order that we have a positive affirmative response. And we are taught within the traditions of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam and his immaculate family, the Ahlul Bayt, alayhim salatu wassalam, that we also need to understand that there are certain etiquettes surrounding dua. The first one of these 
are time and place. All world religions discuss the notion of the sacred, where, for example, certain days or places hold more value in the hearts of the believers. For example, if one has the ability to pray in the holy city of Mecca and in front of the holy Kaaba and the sacred mosque, or next to the grave of the holy prophet ﷺ, or in the mausoleums or any one of the imams of the Ahlul Bayt we see that the prayers hold a higher value due to the physical location, geographical location that we're in, which is why the religion of Islam emphasizes performing pilgrimage, like Hajj, or like Umrah, or like Ziyarat. Similarly, we come and we see that not only in regards toward places, but in regards toward specific nights, we're taught within our tradition that making dua or supplicating on Thursday nights or Friday noons have a more potential for God toward responding toward that supplication. For instance, we are also taught that amongst those dimensions of sacred space is to make dua in congregation. It is said that one day Prophet David, Prophet Dawood he was in a congregation with many of the members of his community during one of the sacred days within the calendar. And Prophet Dawood he wasn't feeling a sense of really heightened spirituality because he felt that everyone within his congregation was all reciting loudly and they were reciting amongst themselves. And thus he wanted to isolate himself from everyone else so that he has an opportunity to seek God quietly, all alone, in solitude. And certainly within tradition, there is time for that. And the tradition tells us that Prophet Dawood and his community were in the sacred land of Arafah when he was making this dua. So it is said that when he retreated away from his community, he went by to a nearby pond or a nearby lake or a nearby river, and then he began to call out and seek from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making dua. A few moments later, the tradition tells us that the angel Jibra'il came down and descend, des- descended toward Prophet Dawood, calling, him out, calling, calling out, O David, why did you leave your congregation? He says, because I was afraid that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not hear my call. He would not hear my dua in the midst of all of the other individuals calling out and supplicating loudly with their tears and with their emotion and so on and so forth. To which Jibra'il responds, he says, O Dawood, look into this river that you're praying next to. He says, what's the furthest and deepest thing that you see in the midst of that water? And David responds, O Jibra'il, I see two rocks. That's the deepest thing that I can see in the midst of this water. At this moment, the angel Jibra'il, he responds, he says, O Dawood, know that under those two rocks, there's a small tiny worm. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he responds toward the dua of that worm. Don't think that he cannot hear your voice when you're supplicating in the midst of your community. Thus we come and we see that the first etiquette when it comes toward making supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to understand that there are certain times and there are certain places and there are certain gatherings which hold significant sacred value in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's important that we pay heed to that. The second etiquette of making dua is to not only make supplication when you are in difficulty or in poverty, 
or going through any sort of a challenge, but rather make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at every opportunity and in every day that you can. Meaning in the good times, supplicate toward God, and in the difficult times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond toward your call. The human being is an incredibly weak creation. When things are going well, we're not going through any sorts of challenges, we're not going through any sorts of problems. Financially, we're doing okay. In school, in our studies, we're doing okay. Family, everything is wonderful. Relationships, all good. At that time, we're not really in the space where we want to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us goodness in this world and in the next. But we are taught within the traditions of the Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt that God will respond toward our supplication in the difficult times if we supplicate toward Him in the good times. So etiquette number two is to always make dua, not only when we're in difficulty, because any supplication on any particular day, it will continue to build out this link between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third etiquette that we find within our traditions is to make dua and couple it with our action. In a narration from the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he states, Adda'i bila amal, karrami bila witr. That the one who supplicates without coupling it with action is like the archer without an arrow. We cannot expect that God answers our requests when we fail to come forth, for instance, and fulfill our religious obligations. If I want God to give me everything in this world and respond toward all of my prayers, and I don't pray, or I don't fast, or I don't fulfill my religious responsibilities, I can't expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to respond all of them, even though that we know that as many times as we continue to transgress God's boundaries and don't fulfill the instructions that He has deemed necessary for us to live a fulfilling life, He still gives us and He still responds to so many of our prayers. But in order for us to maximize the potential of our du'a, it also needs to be coupled with action. And that's etiquette number three. Fourthly, we're taught within the traditions of Ahlul Bayt to be in a state of purity of both body and heart. Meaning that one should come and approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after performing wudu or ghusl. But at the same time, one should come forth with a pure heart and make that dua and supplicate to God with all sincerity. To stand in front of God as a needy or a humble person. It is said that Imam al-Husayn, the grandson of the Holy Prophet, he would say that my grandfather Muhammad used to raise his hands when he implored and supplicated like a man in misery, begging for food. And it is stated in one of the supplications of Ali ibn Abi Talib, the dua known as Dua Kumail, in which he states in the midst of that dua when he's pleading for forgiveness, فَإِلَيْكَ يَا رَبِّي وَجْهِي وَإِلَيْكَ يَا رَبِّي He states in the middle of that supplication, O oh Allah, and here I am raising my face to you and I'm extending my hands in a symbolic measure of demonstrating our needy nature and our submissive nature in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this puts a psychological effect in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls, again, to demonstrate exactly how much we need from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And inshallah, with that, he will respond toward 
our du'a. That's the fourth etiquette that we are taught, is to be in a state of purity, both of body and heart. Fifthly, we see that from the tradition, it's important that we make du'a and pray for others before we pray for ourselves. It's important that we pray for the Muslim community all across the world, for the scholars, for humanity, for children and women who are being abused and killed in all different parts of the world from within our own communities. It is said that one day, Hassan ibn Ali ibn Abi Talib, the grandson of the Prophet, the son of Ali and Fatima, when he was a small child, he narrates that I was standing outside of the room of my mother, Lady Fatima al-Zahra, salamullah alayha. And I saw her praying and she was making dua for everyone. And as I was a child, I would see her in that state of supplication. And I was worried that she forgot to pray for me. And after she made dua, I entered into the room and I said, Oh, my mother Fatima, you made dua for everyone, but you didn't pray for me. At this moment, Lady Fatima, peace be upon her, responded toward her son, Imam al-Hasan alayhi salam, when she stated, Ajar thumadar. First pray for your neighbors, then pray for yourself. The fifth etiquette when it comes towards supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, specifically within these blessed days and nights of the holy month of Shahr Ramadan, is to make sure that we're praying for others before we're praying for ourselves. The sixth etiquette that we learn from within our traditions is that in the midst of supplicating, make a small supplication or recite the sarawat for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him and his family. In a tradition from Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq alayhi salam, he states, كُلُّ دُعَاءٍ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ حَتَّى That every supplication is veiled from the heavens until you send your salutation and your peace and your blessings upon the Prophet and his family. That means before you begin any dua, say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. And when concluding any dua, say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad, knowing and understanding that the means to have our supplications answered is by the blessing of the Holy Prophet Muhammad and his Immaculate Family, alayhim and seventhly and finally, the last etiquette when it comes toward making dua is to make dua in the last moments of our fast. So many traditions speak to the great status of the fasting person in the holy month of Ramadan and how honored he or she is in the eyes of God. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he states that the supplication of a fasting person, the dua of a fasting person is accepted when he breaks his fast. And it is said on another occasion that Musa, peace be upon him, asked God, if anyone else had the same honor as him, since he was known as Kalim Allah, or the one who spoke directly toward God. And God responds, O Moses, between you and I, there are 70,000 veils when we communicate. But at the end of times, there will be followers of the last of the prophets of God, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his family. And they will have the pangs of hunger and parched lips and baggy eyes. They will be fasting from day until night. And they will call out to me at the time of breaking fast, 
and know that I will remove the veils, all 70,000 of them, between them and I. So make sure that during these nights, these blessed nights and days of the holy month of Ramadan, that we're in a state of supplication and that we're making du'as really at the last moments before the alan of the Maghrib prayers and make sure to pray for your family, for your friends, for your community, and even for those who wronged you. Because certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the one who calls upon him with these sorts of etiquette. And inshallah, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he will respond toward all of our du'as and all of our requests and all of our supplications by his blessing and by the blessing of the holy month of Ramadan. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. وَصَلَّى على سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين. Follow Sheikh Fayaz on Twitter at Fayaz Jaffer and look out for him on Facebook.